0: I believe that what we do as women in the privacy of our own minds is the single greatest determinant of our lives. I'm Emma Title and you are listening to the Women Today podcast, where we are unpacking and investigating the new female psychology. I am a psychotherapist, coach, and teacher who is passionate about women's internal and external freedoms. You are in the right place if you wanna hear in-depth stories about women's lives. On this show, we dig deep into the minds and hearts of women to understand what it really takes to heal, to grow, and to experience psychological freedom so that we can create lives of authenticity, fulfillment, and contribution. This is a place to receive nourishment, inspiration, and guidance as we continue to show up for the complexity and nuance of our lives as women. I'm so glad that you're here, and let's get started with today's episode. Hi, and welcome back everyone to another episode of the podcast. I am really excited to share with you today's conversation with Krista Vanderveer. Krista Vanderveer is the visionary partner and private confidant behind many women leaders and influencers who know they are on the planet to lead big change. These are women who are unwilling to allow the expression of their lives and their impact to be hijacked by internal and external limitations women who are committed to their greatest growth and greatest expression in this lifetime. Krista works with leaders who are ready to ride their next edge, to discover what's next on their journey, to uncover their next inspiring and often scary vision for what they are committed to realizing, and to holding them accountable to play even bigger. Together with her team, Krista brings decades of high level executive coaching, leadership training, mastery in relationship and communication, and cutting edge transformational technologies that get to the root of hidden blocks and unprocessed trauma that keep us from seeing greater possibility and living into our greatest expression and potential. Krista is an incredible coach and she is a beloved and dear friend of mine. We have been in each other's lives for over 10 years. And one of the ways that we intersect is that we've been in a women's group for over eight years together. More recently, her husband and my husband became business partners in the past two years. So she and I have had a really rich and powerful journey of having all sorts of relationships and contexts together. And today, although we're not talking that much about her professional work, I know and have experienced her professional work, and it is incredibly powerful and moving. Today with her, we are talking about one of her most personal and deep and transformational experiences, which was losing her partner five years ago to a sudden death. And she shares incredibly honestly and in a very powerful way about how she has navigated that journey and what it was like for her. I cried several times in the interview, and I know that you're going to enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. It is rich, it is powerful, and you'll really get a sense of who Krista is and how all of the experiences she navigates in her life and her dedication to showing up so profoundly have impacted and created the work that she does in the world professionally. All right, enjoy. Welcome, Krista. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for being here. Hi,
1: Emma. So good to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. I'm, I've been thinking a lot about today and anticipating this conversation with you, and I'm just so grateful that you're willing to be here and to share parts of your story and your journey with our listeners today. I know it's going to be really impactful. It is
1: such a delight to get to be here with you, Emma, and the listeners. And I love what you're up to in the world. And I think that this storytelling format that you're bringing is so essential to our our worlds as women and our evolution and our transformation, our development. So it's such a joy to get to share here with you, Emma, and with the people who will listen.
0: Thank you. So... Everyone got to hear a little bit about you, your professional background, um, more formally, before you and I are starting this conversation. But before we get into your story, I'm wondering if you can give us a little window into what your world looks like right now, how you're spending your time, your days, how you're prioritizing life in this these really wild times.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I am really working on taking the opportunity that this that this wild world is providing us personally and both professionally of really diving in deep to look at what is most essential right now and what's most important and what does this world need from all of us right now. And so I get to ask that question of myself every day. And what I'm really excited about is actually similar to you is really helping women find their voices and find what they're up to in the world. And in this very, I would call it sacred time because it's so unusual. It's like we're being asked to, forced to, given the opportunity to really look deep inside and be like, okay, what is going to have me feel most alive in my life? And what do I need to cut out? And what do I need to include? And women's lives, everybody's lives being kind of upside down. It's like, specifically for women, I'm so interested in looking at how we can get more in alignment with who we are during this time and what we're up to in the world. And that's what's been most juicy for me during these days, during this time.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And that is one of the things I love most. I love so many things about you, but how good and committed you are at looking for the opportunities and looking for the growth potential that's available, even in some of the most difficult circumstances. So I'm not surprised that that's, (laughs) you know, forefront and center for you in these months. But even just hearing about it is such an invitation for me to remember to do the same thing. So thank you. You bet. You're so welcome. Yeah. So speaking of that, you know, one of, I I feel when I was thinking about having you on the podcast, I'm like, wow, we, you and I could talk about so many different things because of the intersections with our work and many different aspects of our lives. Um, But today I know that uh, you just recently had a very significant anniversary, the the five-year anniversary of your former partner's death. And... I know it's been such a big part of your journey and your becoming as a human being and as a woman. And I would love to talk to you about that.
1: I would love to talk about that, Emma. Thank you. It's been such a big, it's been a bigger anniversary than I anticipated. So, and to get to share the story is um, such a privilege. So thank you for orienting towards that because there's a lot of things we could talk about. So absolutely
0: excited about it. Yeah. 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 Mm. And I see your tears already. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, Krista, you know, I know you and your story very well. But for the women who don't know you, if you can take us back to, you know, about six years ago, maybe five and a half, six years ago, and just paint the picture a little bit about who you were in partnership, what your life was like, what was going on, anything you want to share before we start to talk about the journey of loss?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, So Mark and I
1: were in relationship for almost five years. And it was like, you know, some people would call this kind of relationship like twin flames where... The relationship is like, there's so such intense love, like deep, deep, deep soul, intense love. And on the other side of it, a lot of challenge at the same time. And so Mark, you know, he was an extraordinary human being. I haven't met anybody even close to what, you know, Mark was like. He's, uh, he's a man who was, I don't know, he kind of reminded me a little bit of like... Um, a Jewish red haired Ken doll a little bit like, but maybe like, maybe like he was, he was kind of like in the military Ken doll. Like he had that kind of, he was very, I'm trying to think of the word like archetypal in a certain way, like warrior. And um, he had a lot of passion for connection. He's very passionate connection and success in the world. And um, he was great at building relationships. And, you know, in my own journey as a woman, for whatever reason, being in a relationship with Mark really helped heal some things that I wasn't able to heal in my life previously, like I had suffered from eating disorder for, for many years, and something about my relationship with Mark had me feel loved in a way I never had before, where I could actually make progress in my development and my transformation in a way that I felt like only he could in my life. So it was a very special relationship for both of us, and in the last year six nine months six months of his life we were in this period where we were having a really hard time staying in relationship like we would it was kind of the rubber band thing where we would we would get together we would be totally psyched totally like okay we were able to do this and then something would explode and something would happen and we couldn't find our way and um looking back now and knowing what I know now about trauma and attachment theory and all the things that I know now, my sense was that what was going on was one, we both didn't have enough skill to actually really get in there deeply with each other because there was lot, there was layers of trauma. Um, I know that he had a lot of trauma as a young boy growing up. Um, of course I come with my trauma and they just kind of like, was like a, it, like perfectly fit with each other to not be able to work through it together. Um, So it was a heartbreaking six, nine, 12 months before he died. But what happened was as we like two months out before he was about to pass, something was something extraordinary was happening. And there was this way that I was able to step up in a bigger way and be with his experience about what was going on for him. And there was something in our field that was both very challenging, but almost extraordinary because we were actually able to work through a lot of the pieces that we weren't able to work through. And so come like June of 2015, I actually felt like in some ways, even though it was super challenging, we were making a lot of progress. And so, yeah, I'll just pause there for a minute and see if there's anything more that would be supportive of the story that you'd like to know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just love listening to you talk about him. I knew him, but I didn't know him well. And I feel so impacted just having him come to life and his his warriorship, his love, his ability to make connections and also what a healing force he was for you in terms of your past with an eating disorder. I, I sometimes forget that piece and it's like, oh, thank you. Thank you, Mark, for, for having the capacity to play that role in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely.
1: It was like this, uh, it was like he could penetrate me with his particular type of love in a way that I think I kind of needed for a very long time. And so it was a special, special relationship. And not just that. I mean, there were so many other amazing things that that he brought, obviously.
0: Yeah. 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 And also really powerful that in the months prior to his death, because nobody knew that was coming. Well, we can talk about that, but. yeah that there was this opening that you were feeling that things were actually starting to shift in the challenge around being together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was simultaneously going through a really rigorous and amazing training um, around something called the collaborative way, which is something that I've brought into companies. And I was, I was simultaneously getting trained in it while bringing this methodology into companies and, this really helped me in the face of uh, challenge and trauma fields, even like it helped me stay really, this methodology really helps somebody stay super centered in what they're up to in the world. And I got really clear before Mark died that I was, I wasn't sure what was going to happen for our relationship, but I got really clear that there was something really important here for me to be with him in, and for us to work through. And so I found my center in a really strong way that I was able to hold, hold myself in the face of some intense fire and some tense challenge. And simultaneously he was on this kind of intentional walkabout in his life where he, he had just turned 50 and um, he was like, what is he up to in his life? And so he wasn't, he was kind of a wandering soul at the time, but he was doing his work, which was really cool.
0: Mm. I love knowing about the timing of the collaborative way, because I know what an important part of your life that is and an important part of your work and your service in the world. So to know that that was so strong and in a parallel current to what was going on in the relationship with Mark up until he died is as powerful, actually, to I don't think I quite realized the timing as your friend. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of putting the pieces together now too about it. Yeah. Um, But one aspect of the collaborative way is about learning how to be for somebody. And I like, there's something that really I learned in that period of how to actually be for somebody, which means that if you're for their success, you're going to, you're going to tell the truth. I mean, this isn't new stuff for like, you know, for on many levels, but if you're going to be for somebody's success, you're going to be really honest with them you're going to really treat them as a human being versus a means to an end. And I think inside of my relationship with Mark, it was very much of a, am I getting my needs met? And is he getting his needs met versus are we getting our needs met? And, um, you know, I'll talk more about how that's impacting my life now of going from like this, I perspective to a we perspective We just, we just didn't even know how to talk about a we in the way that I know how to do that now. Um, And part of that is actually being for somebody's
0: success. So anyway, I'm going off on a tangent probably, but. It doesn't feel like a tangent at all. And, and I'm just like, I actually didn't know that standing for someone's success was a a part of the collaborative way. And I'm like, oh my God, you, you're like the expert (laughs) at that. I mean, you're so incredible at standing for people's success um, and hearing about the ways that that was maybe not fully available yet for you and Mark, or you were getting there right before he died. Um, that's powerful. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Is there anything else you want to share about who Mark was? Anything else that feels important to presence? I would say... He was a fighter. He was a really big fighter. He fought
1: for a lot of things in his life. And um, so I, th- I know up until the day that he died, he was he was fighting for, for life and for aliveness and for joy. And, you know, even though he was challenged in his own ways, um, he definitely was a fighter. Like, I just want to say that. Yeah.
0: Hmm. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and and learning like if I can share a little bit more about what happened, towards the day that he died. So yeah, and you know this, you know a lot of the story, um, Emma, and which is so lovely to be in this conversation with you, knowing the story. But so he, there was, it was again like a wild two two months before he died, and um, he was traveling quite a bit, and we weren't living together at the time, and. There was one time when we got together, like we would keep having date nights and keep trying and keep finding our way. And there was one night where he said, Krista, I saw, the, I saw the future of our lives. And I was like, really? Okay, tell me about that. You know, I was very curious. And he was talking about this vision that he saw where he saw him, he saw us like walking parallel paths. But on his path, he started to veer off to the right. So like way off to the right and start to go into like a, almost like a different area. And he was like, and you're going this way. And I thought that he was talking about maybe our relationship wasn't going to last. Um, like we were going to break up. And so Mark, his health, um, he had had a heart arrhythmia for as long, like way before I knew him, but there was no signs or indications that I was aware of, of that his his health was in danger or even there was even anything to be worried about around his death. But he, um, so he, when he's telling me this, I'm thinking about, okay, so maybe our relationship isn't going to make it and, you know, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find our way through that. And, um, and that was about a week before he passed away. And the, the last conversation that I had with him before he passed was, I was about to ask him because I realized I was like, gosh, I think that maybe he's talking about, he might be leaving like this world. And I didn't really get that that might be what he was talking about until the day that he actually ended up dying. And the last conversation I had with him, I was like, no, I'll wait till tomorrow because we're going to have a date night tomorrow night and I'll ask him about this. And what ended up happening is I never got to ask him the question and that night he was with friends and he was dancing and he suddenly didn't feel well. a story that was told to me, and he didn't feel well, and he walks in the other room and he falls and has a sudden death. And this is, you know, this is probably at like 10 o'clock at night. And that night I had gone to bed early because I wanted to get some good sleep. And I turned my ringer off and So I woke up the next morning to a phone that had exploded overnight with texts and calls. And um, I can just feel in my my own nervous system right now, just the kind of like, whoa, like what happened? Something's wrong.
0: Oh my God. Thank you for sharing all this, Krista. And thank you for sharing that piece around the last conversation and the question that you didn't get to ask. Yeah. It's like, it's been such
1: a journey for me of, I mean, there's so many lessons in this whole experience and I know we'll get into that, but the the thing about somebody suddenly dying without having any clue. I mean, I had that clue, that one clue, but I, it was too late to ask, you know, to get in there with him around that. Um, is like it's I can't even describe the level of I don't even know how to talk about it the level of like confusion the level of trauma the level of like what the heck is going on and what is this world like what at the time it was like what kind of god would and I have my own you know religious spiritual views so but 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 anyway the kind of the language of like what kind of god would create a world in which so much pain and suffering is possible in that in that moment and so I had I called the last person who had called me which had been like 10 minutes even 10 minutes before people trying to get a hold of me and she says there's been an accident and I was just like I could feel the blood rush out of my body and my Head and and she told me, she'd proceed to tell me that Mark had passed that they had passed. And I missed this whole unfolding of the ambulances, of trying to be resuscitated, of um being in the hospital at night with his son. And um it just it just was like a whole it was a, it was the moment of a huge shift in my whole entire life on many levels and such a potent, potent period.
0: Oh my gosh, Kristake I've I feel so much of what you're describing in my own body right now, just hearing you tell the story. And and the gap, too, that your phone was off. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and actually, the I think the last words that he said to me were something like, I want you to sleep really, really, really well tonight and get a good night's sleep. I think I went to bed at like eight o'clock that night, which I never did that. And I never slept as well. I remember waking up being like, oh my God, that was the most amazing sleep I've ever had. Like, so it's an interesting how out I was for that whole process. I'm just very curious about that.
0: Yeah, how how do you make sense of that? You know, on this podcast, I talk and myself and then also with the people I'm talking to about meaning making. Yeah. And like- like, how do you make sense of that in your own world
1: right yeah. now? That that
0: sort of strange alignment and unusual set of circumstances around that night? Yeah,
1: it's 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 that's such a great question, Emma. And I think I've been in, you know, one of the other parts of, it's interesting how much the collaborative way is coming back in here. But one of the parts of collaborative way is like, and when we get really clear about what we're up to, what is the most forwarding, meaning-making that we can make that has us, that fits with reality. So it's not like way off, but that has us be able to put the next foot in front of the other foot. And that was such a big part of my process that day and the following year of how to make meaning of this whole thing. And so what I found for that particular night, the most forwarding, meaning-making, and I hold on to it loosely because I don't know... I don't know what actually happens in this world in a bigger way, but somehow I was ushered through that in a really beautiful way. And I don't have the memories that some people have of seeing Mark um, suffer for even, I think it was only a few minutes, but to fall and to suffer and to get resuscitated. I mean, I can see the images in my mind that my mind is making up. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not left with that challenge of those several many hours. I don't, so that's one way to make meaning of it. But the other thing is that I felt so available for his son the the next day. His son um, was under 18 and um, I just felt so available for him. And something also inside of me just felt the strength of being available for the whole process.
0: I just feel myself um, just so touched, Krista, and um, really in awe of of how you've made meaning over, over the months and the years. And those two pieces, like I feel, and I, I love what you're saying. It's like, we don't know. We can't claim to know, but that the meaning-making process you've gone through yourself that is Connected to reality and that is most supportive and was most supportive for you is like you were really protected and there was grace for you to not of all the shock and trauma you've had to process that you didn't have to process those things specifically. Right. Totally. Yeah. And then just you being able to show up for his son, like, and I know what an important relationship that has been for both of you. Mm hmm. I just feel the grace really the protection and the, the like higher love operating there in both of those ways that you've made meaning.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Emma. So, so helpful to hear your reflection there. Yeah.
0: Wow. Krista. So how, I mean, I know so much ensued and in those coming weeks and days and months and years and I'm, wondering, and I know there's been so many stages of your grief process and your meaning making process, but what are some of the things that were most essential to you as you navigated the the post-death time for yourself?
1: Great question, Emma. There was so many things. And to give some context, I'll say that um, it's like, you know, I'm I was actually doing a little bit of research before our conversation to look to see what actually happens in the brain when there's grief. Um, because in my experience, something like this took me to a whole other plane of like of like navigation like life was so radically different the way I saw things, the, the way I felt in contact with things, with, with nature, with, it's like I was broken wide open is part of that. And also struggling deeply with my own existential crisis. And I remember, you know, just lying on the floor. I, you know, I moved, so I moved in with Mark's son in the house they were living in and and to be with his son and laying on the floor, just being like, I don't, I don't know that I can even get through this. I don't know if I can make this. I don't know if I can do this. And just the pain, oh my goodness. But, and then there was moments of being deeply in touch with just the extraordinary intelligence of this of this universe in some ways. Like I don't even know how to describe it. But so some of the things that really supported my process, one, you know, is family and friends. And I remember you know when my women's group that you're that we' you and I are part of our women's group together. I remember saying that first text of like I don't even remember what it said, but something to the effect of marks marks dead and um and the level of circling that all of you women were doing with me and for me, and the the level of listening of my process and my journey and holding was an extraordinary part of my process, my family, of course, my family being there in a deep way, my friends, other friends and mentors. Um, But on some level, I wasn't really accessible. I was accessible to receive some, but I just didn't even know who I was, where I was, what was going on for me. So a lot of it was just putting one foot in in front of the other. Um, One thing that happened that is the first time I'm sharing about this publicly is, you know, he had died in the middle of September, actually nine, nine, September 9th. And in a weird way, I had to keep moving my life forward. Um, So when my taxes were due, because I had an extension that year, I was sitting at the table and um, getting, doing taxes and I happened to be alone in those moments, and I was hungry, and so I go to the refrigerator, and I'm looking for something to eat, and um, couldn't find anything in the refrigerator. And then I open up the freezer, and I see these these chocolates from this boutique chocolate shop. I'm like, oh my god, this is totally what I want. <laughs> chocolates would be amazing right now. So I I took out a couple chocolates, and I'm sitting there doing my taxes, and very mundane experience, and all of a sudden maybe 20 30 minutes later after i have the chocolates i'm like whoa like something is not quite right something's going on and i then i kind of made the connection of oh my goodness i think i just ate some psilocybin chocolates <laughs> oh my god that i had no idea uh, that i had ate but i but i knew enough to know about what the experience would be like and but i had never i'd never had psilocybin before oh my gosh I looked closer and I just, I just knew that if there were chocolates there in the freezer, that if there was anything in them, it was probably psilocybin. So I was able to relax into that, but I bring that story up because it was really key in my journey of how I was able to move forward. And there's something about now that I know a lot more about psychedelic experiences and what they do to the body and trauma and that kind of thing. It had me, I was taken down for several hours, but it had me be in a deep process with myself and consequently with Mark of making meaning. And there was something, it's even hard to explain the experience, but I left the experience with a deeper somatic knowing of everything's okay. We're not disconnected. Everything's going to be fine. And there's some deep gifts to cultivate from this experience.
0: Wow. Chills again. Yeah. Wow. So it's like this crazy gift, crazy unexpected gift from Mark. Totally. Of course. And of course, like like from Mark. From his freezer. Totally.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that actually ended up being really key because there was like a and you'd know better about this being your, your background, but there was a anchoring moment, I think is what you would call it in, 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 psycho, in, psychology is there's an anchoring moment of something happened inside of my body, like directly in my heart that opened in a way that was so strong, so potent that up until this day, I can still access that anchor. Wow. And it's been, it's been critical in my healing journey.
0: Krista, I just love you. I am <laughs> so, I mean, really that you were able, cause I'm just thinking, you know, how easy it would have been to freak out or to just feel out of control, but mm-hmm. it just speaks to how much practice you have in all the different modalities. And I know all the personal growth and work, development work you've done over your lifetime that you were able to not only stay with the surprise of the experience, but actually receive an enormous opening that seemed to help you kind of get oriented in, in the healing that was necessary after his death.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I had that capacity too, because that could have been very scary without the context.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Which
1: would lead to another, another thing that really helped me, which was meditation and deep, deep, deep inquiry and deep meditation And being with myself and my experience and surrendering to it, no matter what it was, was a huge part of this healing.
0: Can you, because I've heard you talk about how you meditate, and I'm wondering if you can share that with us, because it's actually really unique. And I think something that people might be able to try on their own that might be even more powerful than sort of conventional meditation that gets taught
1: yeah, absolutely. So I learned this through my mentor and colleague and friend, Lloyd Fickett, through The Collaborative Way, who he learned it through, <clears throat> excuse me, through Jumpo, who's a Zen practitioner. Well, he's more than that, but um, I'm going to butcher his, his Zen name. So basically, the, the meditation practice is about, it's really about listening, and the practice is is coming back to listening when we get distracted. So it's sitting down, it's following a breath until we find a point of stillness. And then what is going to happen and happens every single time is that our brain, our mind gets distracted. So then it gets we get off thinking about things. And rather than making ourselves wrong in that moment of, oh gosh, I got off of my meditation again it's like that is the practice is coming back to this listening and there's this one koan that i learned which is to ask yourself in that moment is is there a listening that's deeper than thought or opinion and so it's this seeking of a listening that gets underneath the brain the mind the hamster wheels. And I would invite, if, if this is of interest to anybody who's listening, I would invite you to actually ask yourself, okay, is there is there a deeper listening here that I can access? And so then it's coming back to that listening. And that's been a huge part of, I think why I was able to be in the unknowing of that psychedelic experience. Um, and also throughout like I had no idea where where this was going for me, this whole process, and to be in the not knowing of what what's going on in my in my psychology. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to survive through this? Um, but to access that deeper listening, and I and and a big part of my process was my relationship with Mark during that time, and the way that I would the way that I related to Mark during that time was through this deeper listening. And, and I, the only way to access how I would access, how I felt access to him and his heart and this process together was through this deeper listening. And there was extraordinary experiences that happened for me, especially within that first year around, you know, you, you hear things, you know, you might see movies or read books about what happens after death and people's experiences, who are still here on earth and, you know, it's like some of the stuff just can't be made up no matter, no matter how off or off it might sound or weird it might sound. There's, there's things that in my experience that were extraordinary that happened. And that was a big part of staying and staying in relationship with my experience was key, no matter what it was.
0: Yeah. 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 And I remember in, just let me know if this is okay to share, but I remember some of the trepidation that you had in actually sharing with us as friends and in your women's group around what was actually going on for you on that transpersonal level, like how much you were able to stay in communication with Mark in these ways that seemed otherworldly or mysterious, but that once you finally started sharing and explaining to us what was happening for you, like how much more access I remember feeling to you and what was actually happening. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for reminding me of that. It's, it's, um, it's interesting. It's like this, can we give ourselves permission to have the experiences that we're having, even if they may not make sense or if people might challenge them or disagree with them, And I think that was part of my journey at that time, which was, you know, is it okay to, is it, is this okay? Are people going to think I'm crazy? Yeah. And, and it was so supportive to get receipt, to have my experience be received by all of you and encouraged by all of you was such a big part of my healing.
0: Yeah. And I remember learning so much from you, Krista, too, like in your willingness to explore in these very uncharted territories or things that people don't talk about often. And I just remember feeling so gifted every time you would share about what you were encountering or how you were communicating with Mark. And so for anybody who's listening, I just want to highlight this point that... Like, I think your message in general is like, can we just let ourselves be ourselves and let other people know us there, even if it seems strange or weird or like it's not going to make sense. But then particularly in our most vulnerable places relating mm-hmm. to death or grief or loss or any of those massive transitions that we might go through in life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that those massive transitions are such again, like using the word as opportunity to get in touch with layers of yourself, layers of existence, layers of truth, layers of love that when we actually allow ourselves to go in and go deep rather than resist it or get busy. And of course, there was ways during my process that I was like checking out because I needed to check out, you know? So I'm not saying that that's not a big part of it too, but when we can view the opportunities like this as, okay, this is where something can really get contacted. I can cultivate something for myself here. I can know myself more here. I can say that when we can relate to these things in this way, the gifts are just extraordinary. I mean, it's now, now from five years later, the gifts of Mark's death are so big to my life. Of course, I don't wish that he had died, and he's not here. And there's something that is profound in his death that that I have learned so much from. I've built a relationship with him in many ways that we couldn't build when he was here. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, it's hard to say that, especially imagining, you know, people who don't view his death that way, that, that, that there is gifts that came from his death. So, yeah.
0: I've heard you speak to the, everything's going to be okay. We didn't lose connection. Like a deeper contact with love. Can you share about any of the other gifts that you've received?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, two come to mind particularly. One is the lesson of impermanence. And I find it really hard to really learn about impermanence unless there's this kind of loss that happens and then even more so a sudden loss. But recognizing that any of us can go at any moment and we know this on some level, but. I don't know that we're all living it this way and I forget all the time um, is that we are impermanent on this, in this human experience and it can go in any single moment and we have no idea when that's going to happen usually. So there's that. And then the other thing is, is that it really taught me how to love, deeply how to love. And that has what has supported me, that that particular lesson has supported me in My relationship now, my marriage now, which is just totally wildly extraordinary. That if I hadn't gotten the lesson of how to love from Mark's death, that, and again, this is kind of about me. So, but like, like, then I don't know that I would be able to be in the relationship that I'm in. I wouldn't be able to have the partner that I have. And when I say learn to love, it's like, it's like, can, it's kind of back to this being for each other. Like, can we actually get. Can we actually listen to the person in front of us, listen to their soul and get out of the way of the listening because of our own individual needs? Can we actually make contact with them there? And can we actually have the communication skills to support each of us through what we're going through? And I've been looking for words to describe what I've learned about love, but I can say that my relationship with my now husband, Will, who actually you and your husband introduced us, which is an extraordinary gift. For us too. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. Um, that was key in being able to have the relationship I have now.
0: Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's so good to hear you articulate these things, Krista. And making all these links and connections is just profound. It's really mm. like learning how to love in this new way. What What? What? more of a gift could Mark have wanted for you? I just oh can't gosh, imagine. Right. right, totally, totally,
1: yeah. And when you when, when, when I lost Mark and I have to go back and I have to review, have to, I mean, I chose to review all the conversations, yeah. all the unfinished things, all the ways that I showed up that I wish I wouldn't have shown up that way. And I really got to look and feel the pain of the ways that I was stuck in this I perspective versus a we perspective. yeah. That really taught me how to come from a we perspective. Wow. And, and that is one of the keys to our relationship now of how do we, what, what do we need? And it's not, you know, of course we have individual needs, but our relationship now is based upon, and this is another gift from Mark's death, is that I was like the next relationship that I'm going to be in. I'm going to be very clear about what I'm up to inside of that relationship and what we're up to. And I really wanted a relationship that was, that had a bigger expression and bigger purpose for the world, rather than just our own little needs inside of our private life. And consequently, the first date that Will and I had, you know, he was in the same conversation. He, so we were both, it was a beautiful way for us to start kick off our relationship because we're like, we want our relationship to be a bigger, a bigger service to the world. We both wanted that. He was just coming off of his own, journey of a previous relationship.
0: And that is so what you guys have created and, and all of us who know you and love you get to receive as a result of you both being available for that level of conversation, that level of relationship together. Oh my gosh. So good. Okay. So I, so I want to ask a few more questions about your current marriage um, because I think And even just watching you, it's like there's so much that lights up and there's so much for us to learn um, listening to you. But before we go there, I just want to ask a question, because I know you coach women, you guide groups of women. And I sort of have this obsession, like when we're on a healing journey, when we're growing in our lives when we're doing the inner work, how do we know that we've arrived to a more whole or free or integrated version of ourselves. And so I'm curious, like with the journey you've been on, like how would you know when you would get to the next level of integration from this massive shock and loss? Or how do you know when you're working with someone if that's happening?
1: It's such a great question, Emma, and I love that you're bringing this conversation forward explicitly in all of what you're up to and what you're doing for me, I, I personally, for me, I know I've integrated when I'm not positional about something and I'm not cleaning, cleaning on to something and I'm not getting triggered by something, but I feel very centered. You actually, the other day in in a conversation, used the word neutral. Um, I feel neutral. I feel capable of I feel whole and, and whole and capable of relating to a situation where there's nothing wrong. And I feel capable of being in my experience and the world can be in its own experience, whatever that looks like. And that's okay too. And there's something about that level of wholeness and okayness that to me feels integrated.
0: Mm, I love that. I'm like, that's exactly what I need to hear today. <laughs> because, you know, I'm just you know, there's always challenges going on in life, but right now I'm feeling a little bit hooked on something. Mm -hmm. And so I love hearing your language about that space where it's like, you're not triggered. It's more neutral and you can exist and the world can exist. And and it's not, they're somehow not in competition or tension with one another. That's a beautiful description. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a lot to get there. Sometimes, you know. Yes, I mean that is the work. That is, I mean that's that's the work. Totally, that's totally the work. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, thank you for that. Okay, so so your marriage, and I love all the things you've you've shared, and I love you and Will as a couple in so many ways, and i am incredibly grateful for you guys. And I'm wondering if you can talk to us more about examples of how you guys do this, this new way of loving that you're describing, like the, we, what does that look like on a day-to-day level? And also what is the bigger vision of what you guys are up to?
1: Great questions, Emma. Thank you.
0: Um,
1: I'll do my best to describe the, um, well, I can start with the bigger vision of what we're up to is we really want our relationship to be of service to the world. And that looks like a lot of different things, but the way that we relate to it, and this is kind of tied to the we, is that we we are holding both of us ourselves responsible for each other's greatest expression and our own greatest expression. And so, for example, you know, when just so happens that Emma, you and my husbands are in business together, they're business partners. So for example, when Will is... So I, I see it as, my, as our combined responsibility so that when Will walks, outside of the, walks out the door, that both of us are regulated. We have what we need to go face the world so that we are relying on our co-regulation. We're relying on our relationship to be able to have what we need to go out and walk in the world and face the things that we need to face and stay on mission and where we, our hearts are most, committed to creating change in the world. So I think the, the we conversation is about, it's really about responsibility and it's about agreements. And, you know, we have, as you know, 24 vows in our, in our, from our marriage and they're all, they're all really agreements. They're agreements about how to, how to stay inside of the we conversation and support each other and each other's mission out in the world so that our relationship can be this vehicle for greater change in our respective areas, but then also if we ever do any kind of projects together. So that's a little bit of, about that.
0: It's so it's so inspiring, Krista. Every time I talk to you about how you and Will are holding your marriage, I get ideas. And yeah, just light bulbs are always going off for me about how I could show up even more in my marriage and, and also support the, the women that I'm working with to be integrating that into their lives too. Yeah, it's something with
1: the context of your partnership being the source of your greatest expression in the world. The source of supporting that, I should say. Supporting your greatest expression in the world. Like I feel like with, and I'll just contrast this back to Mark. With Mark, because we were in more of an eye conversation, it was almost like, either I was going to be able to do my career and my work in the world or be in the relationship in a certain way. It's almost like there was almost an either or, and I couldn't have, we couldn't, I couldn't have both. And I'm not putting that on Mark. I'm putting that on our dynamic. And with Will, it's like, we, we are committed to, even if it's really uncomfortable for like, maybe it gets really scary, like Will's level of success, or maybe he feels like he gets scared around my expression in the world because it might create threat to either of us in some form. Like, are we going to stay connected? Are we going to be okay? Like we're even, we're committed to working with ourselves and growing there rather than that, letting that runner our internal worlds. We're like, okay, this is great. Here's an edge. Like here's the edge that now we get to navigate together. And I feel so grateful. And I know that you and Keith are, have this too, of just being in a relationship that's so committed to growth. Yeah. Before anything else, growth.
0: Yes, oh, I love that, and I love, I love that hearing about the evolution for you, Krista. That love and partnership and career doesn't have to be either or, but that you actually can and get to have both when there is this more secure functioning and agreements and the we, the love, the the collaborative um, process that you're so committed to is is forefront and center. Yeah. Can you share with us one of your favorite vows? Yes. Oh, there's so many. Um,
1: Well, you just reminded me of one that I'll share. I love all of them. This one is about abundant repair. We commit to abundant repair because rupture, however little or however big, is going to happen as we all know. And if one, that's one thing that has both of us feel really secure in our relationship is that we know that there's going to be abundant repair, meaning we're not going to, we're not going to leave the conversation. We're going to stay in the conversation until it's complete. And we both feel back in alignment. And, you know, in other relationships, I never had that agreement. It was like, you go your way and figure out your stuff and I'll go my way and figure out my stuff and we'll like try to get rid of being triggered and then we'll come back together and we might not, we might finish, finish the conversation. We might not. So I love that one, but there's another one too that I'll share, if I can share another one. (laughs) Please, I love that. Um, We commit, I don't remember the exact phrase in this moment, but one of our commitments is about skin time, which is what we call skin time. And skin time is a really quick way for us to get regulated with each other when one or both of us are dysregulated. And so one of our commitments is that if there's dysregulation inside of the system, that we're going to go to skin time and skin time is essentially skin on skin preferably, but sometimes, you know, we're just on the couch with our clothes on, but laying on top of each other and making that kind of contact and breathing and contacting each other and knowing even if one of us is, you know, triggered or we have some of our smaller parts that are at play, there's something about that exercise that helps us get into a more forefront of our brain where blood is back in here and we can actually have adult conversations again. There's something about that process. Yes. So we commit to skin time when we're dysregulated. Um, So there's a real priority around the health and regulation of our we such that can support what we're up to in the world and what we're up to together.
0: Mm. So that's another one. I love that. I love both of those, the abundant repair and the commitment to skin time. And because I really, I hear that as a commitment to not going unnecessarily long periods of time in dysregulation or trigger together. Exactly. Because that, it takes such a toll. I, it really, and I think, I don't know if you're noticing this, but the older I get, the more I realize the toll it's like some things that i could tolerate earlier on in my friendships or family or partnership like as a younger person i just i actually like can't I, I mean i can if i have to right but it's i would so much rather relieve both myself and others as quickly as possible and and sometimes it's not so quick but but if we can in our partnerships relieve one another of that hijack that cortisol it's such a gift
1: Oh, it's such a gift. And that comes back to another, just reminds me another part of the healing process is I, I had to get really clear after Mark died of what I was up to in the world. And not that these things change, but for that time, that period of time, like I had to be like, I need to stand for something here. Otherwise I'm just going to get lost in the world. But. I was able to stand for another possibility for a partnership and somehow I was able to access that. And that was able to put me one foot in front of another, but you're reminding me because I think that one of the reasons why, and I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, but why both you and I are like what you just brought forward about regulation is that when we do get more clear about what we're committed to, what we're up to in the world, what we're, dedicating our life force towards, and we get really deeply in touch with that, then anything that can take us off of that focus and that mission becomes, even though it might be as challenging, as uncomfortable, but I think that it really gives us the strength to actually do the, have the repair, have the conversations so that we can get back on integrity with ourselves around how we're using our life force and, and how we're wanting to change the world and not everybody wants to change the world,
0: but I know you and I are very similar in that way. Totally. I love that connection that you're making, that really seeing that if we don't take care of those ways we get taken off, then there's a huge loss. Yeah. And it, it is that like higher mission or vision or the, or stand as you like to call it. And yeah, it's helpful to remember that in those moments of trigger or getting taken off center or major life events that that can level us as you're totally. talking about today. Totally. But that's amazing, Krista, that you were like after his death, that you were able to find that commitment to your higher vision, both for yourself and for your someday partnership that is now
1: like real and intact
0: <laughs> and and blows me away every single time I I think about it.
1: So I have a question for you, Emma. Yes. If you're open to that. Totally. How did you know, I mean, we've talked about this before, but how did you know that you wanted, like, why me and Will? Why did you, what was about us that you're like, I have to set them up?
0: Totally. Well, um, I'll try to tell the short version, (laughs) which is that pretty soon after you became single, (laughs) Keith my husband just was like really, really, really wanting to find you a partner. It was just, we both love you. We care for you so much. And he, I don't know what it was. It's its not typical Keith behavior, but it was just something that came into him where he was just really wanting to set you up with someone that would be enriching and healing and loving for you. And I I think part of it, yeah, I think part of it was him feeling really impacted, even though he didn't know Mark well, but just feeling impacted by one of my closest friends going through such an intense loss and Mm. grief process. Yeah, I remember he would say to me, he was like, I don't get it. Why is Krista single? Like, this doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) It, yeah, it's like sweet to remember. It feels like such a different life phase ago mm. um because now in my mind you and Will are just so you guys you're such an established married couple in my mind. Um but so so Keith really had it in his heart and and once Will became single, it was just it was just I don't know, it was like something from the other side just kind of like clicked and lined up and mm. I remember specifically, because I I had some professional relationships with Will and he was a dear friend um, of Keith's before they became business partners, as you know. And I just remember Keith and I would be there together and we're like, it's just, it's perfect. Like their interests, their values, their eyes, like how, <laughs> how you're in Will's eyes are just, from my perspective, so full of light and love mm. and consciousness yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, when these two encounter one another, it's going to be insane. Like, we felt it. Oh,
1: my gosh. And, and it was insane. It, it is insane. And it
0: was. From the very first date you had, it was, like, off to the races. And I'm just so glad that Keith was so ambitious. and Because <laughs> I, I was more nervous. I was like you know, she's been through a lot. He's been through a lot. And right, right. thank God we just were bold. And you guys were super bold and vulnerable and willing to meet one another. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you're just reminding me of another, you know, like the healing journey has been, a big part of it has been Will and you and Keith, you know, the the level of friendship that we've cultivated has, is so critical to healing and to have the relationships can actually go to these deep, deep, deep places such that you would be impacted, Keith would be impacted about your friend you know having going through what she 's going through and and then making the link to connect me with my now husband like that 's been a huge part of the process the healing process, so I thank you deeply and forever.
0: Mm it's i i can't it feels like the gift that keeps on giving because (laughs) they wouldn't have the business partnership that they have yeah if you guys weren't married and you know and i and like i just i feel like i and we and the world receives so much from the love and the partnership that you and will have created which also like wouldn't have been possible without the massive loss that you went through. Yeah. As you absolutely, said. Absolutely. absolutely, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you for Emma for bringing all this around. Oh my gosh. Krista, thank you for taking the time I, to be with us today. I feel so personally gifted by your wisdom and, your integration and your sharing of your healing. And I know that it's going to be so impactful for everyone who's getting to listen to us today Mm. as well. Mm. It's such a pleasure to be here, Emma. And I am so grateful that these
1: women, the women who listen to this podcast and who follow you and know you, I mean, you deliver such gifts to the world. I was saying to you, Emma, the other day of, you're one of the more conscious, self-aware capable, wise women that I know. And there's something about the way that you are able to make the connection with women specifically and the way that you lean in, the way that you listen and what you offer and the way you see things, what you what you offer, perspectives, your heart that really changes my system as your friend and your sister and women's group. And I know that it changes all the all the women that get to listen to you. So I'm so grateful that you're
0: out doing what you're doing, putting your voice in the world. It's so impactful. Mm. Thank you so much, Krista. Okay, I have one final question okay. that I want to end with. Okay. I great. feel so full. I feel overflowing from our conversation today. So the last question, Krista, is if I handed you a microphone and I told you that every single woman in the world would receive your message? Mm. What would you want women to hear?
1: There's two things, and I won't go too long about them, but I, the two things come to mind. One is one is about seeing possibility. And in my journey at this time of the recording, 46 years old, I have found that if I ever stop seeing possibility about something, whether it's my health, my career, how big I can get, what I can do, if I ever stop seeing possibility, that's a really important indicator to pay attention to that your perspective, there's room for your perspective to actually shift. You're probably caught in a pattern of yours. And if you pay attention and can catch when those patterns are happening, then there's a lot more on the other side of what you're currently seeing is possible. So number one is if you're not seeing possibility, then get curious, start listening deeper and know that there actually is a lot more possibility. You just can't see it. So that's one thing. The next thing is, and this is something that I just so um, believe that this world needs most right now are women who are taking stands for themselves and for the world. And by stand, I mean, I don't mean like standing against something. I'm meaning Standing for something, standing for a possibility that only she, that uniquely lives through her. And that is tied to the depths of her soul, to the depths of her heart. And the more that we have women really getting in touch with seeing, standing for these future possibilities the more that we have women who are on mission, on fire, alive, they're finding their desire, they're turned on, they're lit up, they're actually able to live lives that are super meaningful. And I know that for me, when I'm in touch with a woman who's, who has these qualities, I see the whole world light up around her. And I think that that's the most, one of the most potent medicines that this world can have right now. So I just invite all women to really allow themselves and give themselves permission, to get deeply in contact with what it is that they uniquely stand for in this world and what possibility they see for the future that they can actually start living into and breathing into and building relationship
0: with thank you so much krista and thank you for (laughs) being here thank you so much emma it's been such a delight Thank you so much for listening to the Women Today podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a rating and a review. The more five-star ratings this podcast gets, the more easily women around the world will be able to access this valuable information. Remember, we each have our unique role to play in this collective uprising for women all over the world whoever you are, and wherever you find yourself in this moment, there is a deep intelligence to your particular place in the wider web, and we need the specific experiences, insights, and gifts that only you carry. I am sending you my heartfelt strength and support for wherever you are on the journey, and I'll look forward to connecting again next week.